Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And today we go all the way, all the way over to Australia, which is great because I absolutely love speaking to so many amazing people from all over the world. And today we have Kristen Russell. Kristen is a transformational coach, emotional intelligence and certified professional coach as well. Kristen, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you've got a lovely smile wearing this lovely purple uh, jumper, which looks fantastic. You look very vibrant and awake, but you obviously it's evening for you and morning for me. It is evening and winter. So keeping warm over here. Yeah. Winter tomorrow. tomorrow, Winter tomorrow. I reckon probably in the UK, it probably feels like winter to an Aussie even in our summer. (laughs) <laughs> possibly <laughs> oh my goodness. well thank you very much for having me I really appreciate you zooming in all the way from over there to my hometown so much appreciated oh absolutely and um yeah I'm looking forward to the next 30 minutes or so you know with you and um like with all guests I, I kind of I'm always curious and fascinated with people's story and then obviously wanting to draw as much wisdom um out of you so that we can all benefit i think a, a great podcast really keeps the audience front and center and really being able to serve a listener through uh, inspiration education entertainment like if you can capture all those if we can get all that out today it would be fantastic i'll try my very best <laughs> now there's a lot there's a lot in terms of what you do and what you're passionate about that I I really echo and and feel super engaged. So there's a lot, I think that we can geek out on here and probably just have an absolute energy um, fest of exploration here. But the one thing that I wanted to start with is, is emotional intelligence. It's something that uh, I love. It's something that I, that I've enjoyed kind of seeing but I think, you know, sometimes when we hear these words, I think sometimes it's really helpful just to kind of identify and explain what that means like to you. So emotional intelligence for you, Kristen, what, what is what is it? That's a great question. And the reason why I love this so much is because I've been someone in the past that hasn't had emotions. I've really not allowed myself to experience emotions. So my journey very much over the last few years, especially is about the journey into what it means to have emotions and, you know, what those emotions are communicating to us. So for me, emotional intelligence is really about firstly having a relationship with our emotions as the first instance and really noticing how our emotions are playing out in our workplace, in our home life, in our personal lives. And if it's really taking us to the person that we really want to be, whether it's, you know, a parent, uh, a manager, a leader, a boss, a husband or a wife. And so it's really noticing how those emotions are playing out for us and really starting to 
become aware of how they're impacting your life. So when it comes to emotional intelligence, for me simply, it's just having awareness around what they are, really being able to regulate our emotions and have a relationship with them and really allow ourselves to actually move through them instead of suppressing them and denying them. Mm. And then noticing how our emotions are affecting other people when it comes to socially. So for example, I'm a mom and, you know, for me, not having emotions really impacted my, ch- my children for a long time, especially, and I'm sure we might get into my story in a moment. However, you know, when my children lost their dad and their mom didn't do emotions, I actually shut it down in them as well. So whatever we deny in ourselves, we deny in other people. So by us having a relationship with emotions, we actually allow other people to have those emotions and we create a really nice, beautiful space for them to express themselves fully. Mm. So being really socially aware of how our own relationship with emotions affects other people. And then when it comes to, you know, our business, being able to have the social skills to notice other people's emotions. Because simply we need to be able to acknowledge and notice them in ourselves to notice them in other people. Mm. So it's really just first, the first step in that is allowing ourselves to experience them. Mm. And most people don't even allow that. Mm. They don't even have a relationship with them. It's very common for men, especially growing up, you know, men were told don't cry, you know, boys don't cry, you know, boys are meant to be tough. And so what we've been role modeled over the years, society and, you know, our family values really has an impact on our relationship with our emotions. So firstly, it's having a look at what is our relationship with our emotions and how is that affecting me personally and how I show up in my life and if I'm the best person that I want to be. And then how is that impacting other people? from my relationship with am I experiencing my emotions or am I denying them? Mm. So that's in a really big nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What it cool. means, Go on. I was just going to say what it means, you know, to, to be emotionally intelligent is firstly to have your emotions and notice how they're playing out for you and for other people. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things in there that I wanted to reflect back and then ask. There was one question at the start I wanted to ask. But the first thing I really, I think out of all those things that you shared, that that was really quite significant when you said what we deny in ourselves, we we deny in other people. Mm. That's mm. that's a that's quite a statement. That that definitely hit me between the mm. eyes. That one, um, yeah, because there is that sense of when we're journeying and developing ourselves, that we're not just doing it for the good of us. We're also doing it for all those around us, you know, whether it is our family or our neighbors or, or mm. the greater good of, of people that we're in society with, like we do have a responsibility, don't we to awaken yes. and to heal and, and to, to keep growing. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. The responsibility is firstly on us, you know, how are we showing up? Mm. We, like we talk about leadership, and even if you're not in leadership, you're the leader in your own life. You know, you're mm-hmm. leading your children. So, you know, how are we showing up? We have to be the ones that lead ourselves first before we can lead other people. Mm-hmm. And so if we're denying an aspect of ourselves, we actually are denying it in other people. Mm-hmm. And that and that comes back to emotions as well. So, you know, if you don't do anger, 
when somebody else is angry, that will in some ways create a stimulus in you and it'll make you feel uneasy because you haven't accepted that part of yourself. Mm. So, you know, for me, when my children would cry, so an example of this is, you know, my daughter, I would say to her, you know, stop crying. You're fine. You know, you're okay. And I would try and shut down her, her emotional experience. And it was simply because I wasn't okay with my own sadness that I was denying that in her, you know, whatever was going on for her was triggering something within me. And I couldn't, I couldn't navigate that. Mm. So I was trying to stop that outside of me so that I felt better. Mm. Yeah. And see how it, how it plays out at the start. You said that you hadn't had emotions or you haven't had emotions. So Mm. I love your, I loved your, explanation around emotional intelligence but is it really the fact that you didn't have emotions or is it more the fact that you didn't have the awareness and um the wanting to kind of honor them and acknowledge them well we all have emotions so as humans we are designed to have emotions it's Mm. very much normal and it's the human experience now we experience the world through our emotions how things make us feel how we don't want to feel what we want to feel more of, what we want to feel less of. Mm. So we all have emotions. Now, what we were role modeled or taught at like growing up Mm. is whether that part of ourselves was encouraged or suppressed. Mm. And so for me, I very much grew up in an environment where my emotions were suppressed. Mm. I I wasn't allowed to express being sad or being angry. Mm. And so I shut down that part of myself. And so for me, the journey was you know, really welcoming those parts of me back into my life for me Mm. to be able to heal and grieve through some of the things that I've been through. Thank you. I I wanted to ask, like intellect, do you believe, Kristen, that there are like different levels of emotional intelligence and, and how do we like go about improving our EI? Absolutely. And it's just like normal awareness. So like normal self-awareness, there's always new layers. And I I love this. I'm not sure if it's a quote. It really stands out in my mind. And it's, we don't know what we don't know. Mm. We, we don't know anything that's outside our own awareness. So when you move into new awareness, there's always going to be new awareness. Mm. And so it's the same with our emotions. The more that we can allow ourselves to experience them, we can go to a deeper level within ourselves. Mm. And so then we can access more of the emotions that are perhaps, you know, stuck in our body somewhere that don't feel safe to be able to be expressed because there's so many other layers on top of it that need to be expressed first. Mm. And so as we go through the awareness of the relationship with how we feel, what we think about how we feel and the more that we grow internally and know that we can navigate our emotions. So one of the biggest things that stop people from experiencing how they feel is they don't think that they're going to be able to handle it. They think that they'll get stuck in it. Mm-hmm. They think that they'll, they won't be able to come out the other side And so when we've done that enough times, we start to really begin to trust the relationship that we have with them and know that we're going to be okay to navigate our anxiety, our fear. Mm. And so when when we allow those experiences, we actually notice that we can handle them so we can go to another level. Mm. Why do you think so many people get get stuck then? Why do you you feel like people just can't process or, or navigate? It's... 
their beliefs about their experience that continue the cycle of the feeling and thinking. So it's they, they feel something, they think something, they feel something, they think something. So whatever they believe about their experience is reinforcing the experience. And so sometimes there's just not that awareness there to break the cycle of the thinking and the feeling, or they don't allow themselves to fully express the emotion. Mm. They're still suppressing it. And so once we fully release the emotion, we can release it from our body and we can go back to, you know, understanding and being really present with where we're at and really acknowledging you know, what just happened, being okay with that, and then focusing our attention on something else. Mm. And then in terms of like the way that you've navigated, like yeah. is there some practical ways in which you have navigated through uh, and increased your emotional intelligence? Is there some tangible things? Like how did that process uh, evolve for you? Beautiful. I love this question. And so the first step in being emotionally intelligent is to understand what you're feeling, like name what you're feeling. And some way in the beginning, I was terrible at it. I'd be like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm just feeling weird. And it's like, okay, we'll just feel weird. Like that's, that's the label that you're, that you're feeling. And so it's firstly naming it. And if you don't have a name, that's okay. It's okay to, you know, not have the language just yet. It could be, I just feel a bit uneasy. I feel a bit stressed. You know, I feel a bit worried about something. And then the next step is to just allow yourself to have it. And this is really weird because many people don't like, this is the part that they miss is that they don't allow themselves to have it. Mm. They, they skip it and they try and like bypass having the feeling. Mm. And so really it's just dropping into the body and noticing where the feeling sits in your body. So it could be like in your shoulders, in your tummy, because emotions live in our body as sensations. And so it's like mm. a prickliness, tightness, heat, and just really focusing on the feelings in the body. Mm. And then just really sitting with that and honing in on that until you feel that it's released and then the emotions released. Mm. So it's naming them, mm. allowing yourself to have them, going into your body and feeling them. Mm. They're three practical steps that I would say most people would be able to navigate if they don't skip the steps, which is the most important part. Mm. Yeah, I, I also like to look at um, giving it context as, as to why I feel what I feel. So mm. what is what is the context and the the reason why I'm feeling it? So not just acknowledging I feel sad but actually giving context as to why and to validate mm. actually my own emotion because if you've lost somebody mm. then, then you should be sad and it's like that's yes. one of the challenges with like mental health where people are like you know I'm depressed and then the doctor wants to give you an antidepressant but if you've lost a mm. husband or you lost a wife then you should be depressed right it's like Absolutely. that also needs to be completely mm. you know governed and we need to kind of be clear and show people that it's okay to to feel sad when the context is is a sad moment. Absolutely, absolutely. And just to add to that, it's also okay to feel sad when there's not a big moment. It's 
it's allowing ourselves to feel sad when the big things happen. And then something that might seem so insignificant, but to you, it's a big deal. Mm. To a child, it's a big deal. So, for example, they don't get to go somewhere in the afternoon they're really looking forward to. And, of course, as adults, we know it's not a big deal. But to a child, it's a big deal. Mm. And so just really allowing, like it doesn't matter if the context is big context or a small context, as an adult, you feel the way that you feel. And it's simply that. And as a child, the same thing, you feel the way that you feel. So again, it's just allowing those emotions to be expressed. Sometimes the context doesn't matter. If it helps to understand how you got there and work out how you were triggered into that, sure. So you can, you know, navigate and be more self-aware. Because And then we're going back to self-awareness and emotional intelligence, knowing what triggered that state from you, what triggered that emotion, how the behavior now is playing out. Mm. So the context is is fabulous to be able to understand. It's also not necessary. It really depends on the person. Yeah, and there is truth to that as well. It reminds me like this weekend I, I went to Wembley to watch my team Coventry play in, in the playoff final to get into the Premier League. Um yes. and it went it went into extra time and then it went to penalties and and, and we lost six five on penalties and it hurt. Oh no. It hurt. I mean, yeah. there was 36,000 of us. It was a two-hour drive from from where we oh. live to, to like London, where the home of Wembley is. And um, we'd been on a crazy journey this season, had to overcome lots. And I tell you, when we lost, it was, it was heartbreaking. Oh. Like when I woke oh. up the next morning, it felt like a breakup, you know? Yeah. That's hilarious, but I also honoured it as well. Like I felt it, absolutely. I knew why it was there, because football and sport, you know, for me is is about community, is about identity, and most of all, it's about belonging. So mm-hmm. when you when you have that experience, and then you miss out on something that you would love to collectively have, and because you want the best in in everything that you do, oh, the emotion, mm-hmm. even now. I can still yes, feel. I see it in your face. Yeah, I can still. <laughs> fe- I can still feel it. Like mm. I'm still heartbroken, even though it's just mm. a game of football. It's like, but I don't minimize that, and that's the important thing, isn't it? Is to not minimize, yes. but to honor it and give it space. Mm. Give it space. That I uh, and I love that, and the reason why I love that is you're really highlighting that all emotions. There's. Now, there's the perceived good ones, which is the joy that you experience, and then also the the just the sadness that you experience. And so we want to be able to have all of those experiences because that's what it means to be a human being. Mm. And so we can't appreciate the good experiences without having the polarity of the bad experiences or the mm. perceived bad emotions. Now, I don't like to use those words because there's no bad emotions. They're just there's just emotions. And we can't appreciate the good times without acknowledging the polarity of that. So it's mm. just, it's it's a real kaleidoscope of experience of you mm. know, being a human. Mm. Yeah, I would say emotions are feedback. You know, they're, yes. they're neither wrong or or right. They're, they're just feedback letting us know, you know, yes. where, we're, where we're at. Now, one thing I wanted to asked you about and something that moved me was obviously the fact that and you kind of referenced it a little bit at the start is that you lost your late husband to cancer 
and left behind you know two sons who, who you've raised and how did you make it how have you made it I really don't know the answer to that it's it's been a challenge there's there's been some really horrible times and there's also been some great times like and as I said there's the up and down journey. And in the beginning, it was really tough, especially when, you know, I grew up where I didn't allow myself to express anything. Like I wasn't encouraged. I I grew up as the eldest child of two sisters. So, you know, I was the one that always was looking after everyone else. And I was the fixer. I was the one that, you know, really spent my life being everything to everyone else. And so when my husband passed away, I've got a daughter and a son. So I spent, that's okay. I spent, you know, the next five years looking after them, which any mother, of course, that's what exactly what they're going to do. Any parent is going to put the needs of their children first. And so I really left my own healing to last and I didn't allow myself to express anything and I just bottled it all up and it got to a really really low point in my life where I knew I couldn't keep living the way that I was living like I actually had to do something about how I was feeling and I actually had to grieve and I grieved on and off for oh goodness I don't even know two years I suppose and not consistently but like you know a couple of weeks at a time and then I'd be okay and couple of weeks at another time but it was in my lowest moment that I somehow I remarried in that time and my current husband was he runs a business and he was telling me about you know he's going to do a coaching course and I was like oh yeah that sounds interesting and um he was saying to me oh you should come along it's it's really it's really awesome and he was sharing with me what they were going to be doing and I was just like holy crap like I love this. And so within 24 hours, I was enrolled in the coaching program to become a coach. And I went into that really quite naive. Like I kind of, I'd been someone that was able to just focus on the next thing. You know, I'd switched off my grieving so many times in the past. I pretty much did that. And so I went straight in and I became a coach instantly. And then over the next 18 months, my own stuff came up. Like it came up over and over again. And mm-hmm. so I really had to be my first client and I really had to grieve all of that out. And that's predominantly, you know, what I teach my clients now is just navigating their emotions and how having a relationship with them really actually can change your life. Like it can it can bring you so much closer to the people in your life. Like, as I said, I never allowed my children to experience their emotions. So, you know, for me now, like giving them that space, it's just created so much more connection. Like I thought I was being a fabulous parent when I was looking after them, I was putting them first, but I was denying them an aspect that they really needed, which was grieving their dad. And so, you know, for me to open myself up emotionally to let them in emotionally like was such was so impactful so this is why I'm so passionate about this work is it's you know it allows you to be vulnerable allows mm. you to be closer to other people mm. and so I really like as I said I got remarried and I started doing the work and I actually realized that I never fully let my husband in because I you know I'd lost my first husband 
And so I had like a protective barrier. Like I was like, okay, you can get close to me, but only this close. Like, because, you know, if something happened to you, I like, that would be the end of me. Like, I don't know how I could deal with that. So I always had this wall. And so now for me, bringing down that wall, like we, like our relationship is insane. And it's, it's just from being in touch with me. I can't explain it anymore. Like just mm. allowing myself to grieve, to let it all out, to not be afraid mm. of being vulnerable, to not be afraid of loss, abandonment, you know, all those things were playing mm. out for me. Mm. So it's, I'm really passionate about it. It's, it's a big, it's a big deal. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that you are fully like equipped to be able to deal with that because you've been through it. And I think, I think like when it comes to coaching, like part of me feels like it really needs to be regulated because I feel like anybody can be a coach. And I feel like some of that, mm. I don't know, doesn't sit that well with me. Cause I, I think it discredits the value of it. But I, I always Absolutely. said that none of us can lead anybody uh, from a place we haven't been ourselves, you know? So the fact that you've had, this you know for me really strengthens your ability to be able to transform mm. other people because you transformed yourself now we're talking about emotions but losing you know a husband or or a wife or, or a partner like that's when we really become emotionally flooded um mm -hmm. and there are times where people are just overwhelmed by emotion and it's almost like the the current of emotion is just taking them and they can't grab hold of anything or find grounding or what mm. what's your message to those people that that may be emotionally flooded right now reach out for support whether it's you know a friend like you don't have to heal alone it's one of the things that i really really share with everyone is we think we have to do it alone we think that you know we have to be strong we think we'll be judged and you, you really just don't have to do it alone. Mm. And so just reaching out to somebody that can support you is so important just to let them know that like, Hey, I'm not okay. Like I'm really not. And I really need some support here. And it's, it's interesting because you learn who your true friends are when when these types of things happen and it's not anybody's fault. It's just that sometimes people don't know how to, how to help. I know so many people tried to help and it wasn't in the way that I needed. And so I had to, I had to express what I needed. So if you're somebody that doesn't have people in your life that can help you, ask them what, ask for what you need. So I'll give you an example. You know, when my, my second husband, when I was grieving, he was a fabulous support to me. And in the beginning, he wasn't quite sure how to, how to help me. And I had to tell him how to help me. I need you to do this. Can you please do this? And so after a while, he started to learn how he could help me. And so if you have people in your life that you are asking for help from and they genuinely want to help you, Tell them what you need. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this. Because I'm wondering, like, has anyone heard the thing? Oh, you know, let me know if you need anything. And no one ever does. Like no one ever says, hey, I need something. Well, it's really about taking, the, taking up those people's offer 
Mm. and really saying, thank you so much. I really actually need you to do this Mm. and really reaching out and doing that. And then you'll learn, you know, those people that are genuinely there to support you. Mm. I love that. I think we do have to teach people how to love us and, and teach people what it is we need sometimes. And actually those that are emotionally intelligent, uh, you find that you don't need to tell them because they're already, you know, aware and it comes back to awareness. Um, and I mean, I love, I love self-awareness. How, how do we become more aware of self? You know, you shared some great tips about emotional intelligence, about how to, to navigate through those and, what would what would be your sense for self-awareness how, how do we become more aware of mm. self oh, i love this question it's it doesn't happen straight away it happens over time so it's really like paying attention to what happens after something happens so for example for me i always used to doubt myself for so like so long like it's so many people doubt themselves it's very common And so for me, I really started to notice patterns Mm. in my life. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Like every time I'm really tired, I judge myself a lot. And I think to myself, now, what are you doing that for? You're not any good at it anyway. Like just give up, you know. And I really started to notice, hey, that thing is coming up for me again. And so it's just becoming aware, okay, well, that's interesting. How come this thing's coming up on me? What's happened to lead me, lead me to this point? What am I starting to notice that is a pattern for me? What's not working for me or what is working for me? So a great place to start is, you know, what's not working for you? What do you have in your life that's not taking you towards the person that you want to become, the goals that you want to have in your life? And just starting to notice perhaps the way that you are going about those things. And maybe there's a better way. Maybe you need to change something. Maybe you need to seek help. Maybe just something needs to be different. And then it's looking at the contrast of, okay, well, what am I doing really well? And how am I doing that? Like, what's my strategy to do that really well? And then just start to become aware of how you do things and the steps that you take because everything is a strategy. Like being a parent is a strategy. Brushing your teeth is a strategy. Like, you know, driving in your car is a strategy. Everything is a strategy. So it's just noticing what are our strategies for the things that we have in our life and are they working for me or aren't they working for me? And if they are, just noticing how you go about those things, those little micro moments. I remember one time I started to notice this pattern and it was every time I was on my computer and something got challenging to me. I'm not somebody that likes a lot of detail. I'm like, oh, this fries my brain. And I noticed that every time I'd get a little bit stressed, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go have a cup of tea. And then after a while, I was like, I seem to be having a lot of cups of tea. What's going on here for me? And I just noticed that that little micro moment before when things would start to intellectually challenge me, I would like zone out Mm. and I'd be like, well, that's the, that's the thing that my brain and my mind is saying to me, oh, too hard. I'm out. 
And so for me, I became really aware of that. I'm like, oh, this seems to be like a pattern that I'm doing. And so the next time that I was sitting there and I was doing something that was detailed and intellectually challenging and the thought came up, you should go have a cup of tea. And I was like, ha, there it is. I'm not going to have a cup of tea. And so I actually sat through and I pushed through that moment. And I no longer have that moment. I no longer have that pattern now. So it's just being aware of are you being distracted slightly? You know, what are those little micro moments? What do you think about regularly? And then what do you think about? So it's just starting to notice how you think and how you behave. That's so good. Really, really enjoyed that. Kristen, uh, as we bring bring this into land, is there is there anything that you feel like that you just feel that's rose up in you that you just feel is really important like to share uh, mm-hmm. maybe a final thought uh, and then let us let us know how people can find out more about about you and your work beautiful one thing i would love to share is that what i'm really passionate about is people just simply being themselves. Like I I joke about all those things, you know, I make light of, you know, I get triggered, I have a cup of tea or I judge myself. Like it's a very normal thing for us as human beings to do. And so I really encourage people to be themselves and really be authentic in who they are and really start to speak their authentic truth. And to really start to be honest with themselves about some things that maybe are in their way, or maybe they wish they're having that conversation with the person, you know, their husband, their wife, their team, their children. You know, I have clients that haven't spoken to their adult children for 10 years. Mm. And for me, it's, you know, what is the things that are in your way that are, that are challenging you, that are difficult? Mm. Because, you know, like I, I, I learned such a lesson at such a young age. Like when Greg died, I was 30 years old. And from that moment, I really knew that tomorrow is never guaranteed ever. Mm. You don't know when your time is up. And so if you're hiding yourself, if you're not being your best self, if you're not having those conversations with the people that you love, that you wish that you did, have those conversations, lean into the emotions that you feel are in your way because all of the parts of ourselves that we're hiding are just simply parts of ourselves that we're fearful of expressing the emotions around. You know, we're, we're fearful of being vulnerable because it brings up fear around anxiety in us. We're fearful of being seen because we might be judged. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed and you don't know when your time is up. So for me, it's the message of just being yourself and telling the people around you how much they mean to you and really doing the things that light you up because you only get this life. I mean, you might believe that there's more lives after this and that's okay. It's probably another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's really having the, the courage to be brave enough to have those challenging conversations and really just stepping into your truth of who you are and what your message is and not being afraid of those parts of yourself and know that you know any emotions that come up for you are really normal they're allowed 
they're amazing, that you're amazing, and that it's okay to be yourself. That that's the work that I'm really passionate about. Love it. And how do people find out more about you? So you can go to my website, www.chrismindynamics.com.au, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Kristen Russell, or you can find me on Facebook, Kristen Russell. Lovely. I've got one final question for you. Would Please. you like a cup of tea? <laughs> I would love a cup of tea. Thank you so much. <laughs> that, it's that inner Brit in you, Kristen. <laughs> It's very interesting because my second husband, when we were dating, he kept bringing me coffee and I don't drink coffee. And I'm like, how do I tell him I don't like coffee? <laughs> and then one day I got the courage. He's like, oh, thank God, I hate coffee. I'm only a tea drinker. And I think that's why we got married. He drinks tea just like me. <laughs> that is hilarious. And it's interesting that he he was obviously communicating to you in a, in a way that wasn't necessarily on your frequency by the sounds of it, which I thought that could be a different podcast as well. Um, (laughs) From what what I've, what I've (laughs) learned and reflected is the fact he's, you know, I always say, you know, speak the language of the person you want to attract. So if the girl wants tea and you're bringing a coffee that, you know, problem. And then it's like, you know, if, if he wants to help you, but doesn't know how again, problem. And so you've, (laughs) You really educated him. You you modelled him probably into the perfect husband now for you, right? He's very lucky to have me, let me just say. <laughs> it did make me laugh actually at one point because you said current husband and I thought, oh, I thought, is, is he on probation? <laughs> it does get very confusing. I'm like husband number one, husband number two. Yeah, yes, funny. Yes. He's very, he's very used to it. He's very used to it. He's very supportive. So I'm very lucky. <laughs> Amazing, <laughs> Chris. It's been so good. Uh, loved it. Loved it with you today. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Max Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes, and I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.